You're listening to a message preached at Front Range Baptist Church by Pastor Dean Miller. It is our prayer that this message will be a help and an encouragement to you in your spiritual walk. Now, here's Pastor Miller. Um, we're going to look at a couple things tonight, and then uh, as we go to prayer, if you have your prayer bulletin inside that, there's a little handout, and um, we're going to follow through that. We're going to start on the back of this tonight, on the little place where there's a blue box that says questions to ask yourself. We'll get to that part in a minute, but that blank space down there, if you want to jot some notes down, we're going to talk about some simple steps of scripture study as we begin the new year it is imperative that God's people be in the Word of God. And if you, if you don't have a plan of how to study the Word of God and how to read the Word of God, how to apply the Word of God, if you don't have a plan, you're not going to do it. Um, you're, you're, not gonna, you're not gonna accomplish it. And even if you've, been, if you've been saved many, many years and you've read the Bible consistently and you've had a good reading plan, that's wonderful. Uh, but we're going to talk about some things in a second that I think, uh, for those of us who have been saved for a long time and read, this, read the Bible many times through, we need some things that will help us to, um, to do a spiritual inventory and, and really check if we're doing something out of a, out of a habit. Uh, it's a good habit, but, but we, don't, we want to do it intentionally. We want to be in the Word of God. Uh, intentionally and taking a spiritual wellness check when we go to the Bible and just making sure that we're spiritually healthy. So find with me in your Bible the book of uh, Psalms, Psalm 119. And uh, we're going we're gonna to look at some uh, passages of scriptures here um, in Psalm 119 that I think will be um, uh, really, really helpful tonight. Let's, let's bow for prayer. Father, I thank you for the opportunity with our church family to open up the Bible. Lord, it's a, it's a privilege that we have to have a Bible tonight, that we hold a copy of your word in our hands, and Lord, that we get to gather together, and we get to hear not only from your word, but from your Holy Spirit. And so I pray that right now you would help us to, um, to put all distractions aside. Lord, it's, it's been a busy week. We have... Uh, We've taken time to be here tonight, so I pray that we would be um, in tuned and plugged in to what you're speaking to us about, and that, Lord, we would take seriously going forward this year to be people of the word, and that you would use this in our life tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 119 is the very middle psalm. It's the largest chapter in the Bible or song in the Bible. Um, out of its 176 verses, uh, every single verse in Psalm 119 except for three, so 173 of these verses, specifically mention the Word of God. There are eight different names for the Word of God in, these, in this psalm. Thy law, thy word, thy commandments, thy statutes, thy precepts. Uh, there's, there's eight different names for the Word of God. And the psalm is broken up into sections of eight verses. And uh, each, each one of those sections begins with a Hebrew letter. For instance, in the first section, you have Aleph, and then Beth, and so forth. And, and in the Hebrew, that first section, every verse in that first section begins with that Hebrew word. It's a, it's a major acrostic is what it is. And this was a tool, a song about the word of God that was... Um, 
that was sung by Hebrew families in an acrostic form, and it was basically the ABCs to teach children about the Word of God. And it was uh, easy to memorize with every, with every section beginning with that Hebrew letter. You could just go right through the alphabet and you knew all your A's, you knew all your B's, you knew all your uh, gammas and, or zanes or cheths or whatever they are. But you knew all your letters and you could, you could say your verses very well. But uh, it's, it's just a wonderful, wonderful passage of scripture. This, this whole psalm is a great song of God's word. And what a great song to sing is a song about God's word. But if you look with me in verse number 97, the Bible says, Oh, how love I thy law. This is an exclamation. The psalmist just declares, Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation. How long? All the day. It is my meditation all the day. Then he says to God, thou through thy commandments has made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. Listen, the word of God is to be the love of our life, the meditation of our our hearts and minds, and it is to give us wisdom greater than what our enemies have. And let me tell you, the, the word of God is to speak into the culture in which we live. It's supposed to speak. I mean, what what do we do with these cultural issues today? Uh, and how does a Christian, how does a Christian deal with, and you young people, college students, uh, this is an age group where you're inundated constantly with the philosophy of the world and finding your way. And let me tell you this, when you want to find your way through the world, the best way to do it is to find your way through the word. And when you find your way through the word, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It'll give you every answer on all the major issues that are going on in the world today. Um, we're, we're, we're seeing all sorts of, of things from the enemies of God today. And we need to be people who are grounded in the word of God. Uh, Jesus said, if you build your life on the, on the rock, then the winds blow, the floods come. The rains pour down on it, but it stands firm. And he, he said, but if you build your life on the sand, when the storms come and the winds blow, the house falls, it all falls down when it's built on the sand. And what did Jesus equate that to? He equated it to building your life on his word. That he that hears my words and do with them, he's likened to a wise man that builds his house on a rock. When you hear the word of God and you do the word of God, you have a sure foundation that endures all the, the passing of time. And so uh, we've got to be people of the word of God. And so before we get into some practical things on how, I want to ask a couple of things about why. Why do we need to make a priority of Bible study in our life and really getting into the word of God? Why do we need to do this? What, what is the benefit and why should we study the Bible? And I would say right off the top of the, uh, the bat, uh, right off the bat, it's the word of God. It's the Word of God. It's God's Word in your hand. Think about what you have right here. You have the Word of God in your hand. I mean, the God of the universe who created all of this put His Word in your hand so that you could understand um, who He is, His ways, and how to live by His rules and His instructions. And we would be so foolish. I mean, the epitome of foolishness is to neglect the Word of God. That's just foolishness. 
how many of you men are the, are the kind of guys that when you, got, you buy something that you have to put together at the house, how many of you men are the guys that you could just do it without the instructions? Anybody in here that does it without the instructions? All right. Well, don't go sit on any of their furniture, all right? Actually, man, I, I had a couple things this Christmas I had to put together. And whoever's drawn those things over in Hong Kong is not doing a great job. They, they need to work on their skills because I, I have no idea if that was supposed to be on the inside of this or the outside of that. And so I, I had the instructions out, but I didn't really go by them. But what a foolish thing to have instructions, to have wisdom, to have God's wisdom, and then not, not be in it. And um, we, we need to be people in the book, number one, because it's, it's God's word. But I want to say, secondly, why do we study the Bible? It's, it's the only way to know God. We study the Bible to know God. Now, look, everybody's without excuse because everything that, that can be known of God, about God, the Bible says the things, the invisible things of him are clearly seen by the things that are made. So how do you see the invisible God? Well, you see God through creation. This is why Satan has been so persistent at indoctrinating the world with evolution. I mean, with all the theories of evolution, how many of these theories have been put on the ash heap of history? They've been debunked and refuted, and this one falls, and they have another one, and it's, it's just it's man's best guess for a mind that wants to reject God. We've got to figure out how we got here without God. And so Satan has been so proficient to put evolution into everything because creation is that great declaration that there is a God. The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork. Day into day utter speech. Night into night showeth knowledge. There is no language nor voice nor speech where their voice is not heard. So creation is speaking. The word of God in creation is speaking that there is a God. You can go outside and see the moon, go out and see the ocean, go out and see nature, and you can see the handiwork of God in every aspect of it. The problem is, nature can tell you that there is a God and convince you that there's a God. Nature can convince you there's a designer, there is a creator, there is an intelligence outside, transcendent of, of of our universe. There is a God above us, and, uh, and he has made all this. Now, creation can convince you of a God, but listen to me. It cannot convert you. You can know that there is a God, but you can't know anything about God through creation. This is why people have worshipped the moon. They know there's a God, so they worship the Nile River. They worship the, cre- the creation more than the creature, right? Because nature will, will convince you there's a God, but it cannot, it cannot tell you who God is. But that's why the word of God, we get in the word of God so that we can know God. You can stand at the ocean and you can marvel at the omniscience of God. But the ocean will never teach you of God's justice, God's mercy, God's loving kindness. You can look back and and marvel at the galaxies and the stars above us. You can marvel at God's omnipotence, the power of God to create this infinite space. But but it'll never teach you of his grace, his forgiveness, his holiness. So to know God, we have to go into his word. And God reveals himself to us through his word. It's a wonderful thing to open up the Bible and to read things about God in this book that was written by 
ink on paper by men who did not even understand all that they were writing. And the Bible says things about God that we can't even comprehend. The mind of man did not conceive it. The mind of man did not contrive it. It wasn't like a significant, you know, a story that was created like in the mind of George Lucas and who created all these Star Wars stories. You know, he came up with some amazing stories. But let me tell you something. Man did not, man cannot even comprehend the understanding of the Trinity and how that we serve God who is one God yet in three persons. Can you explain that? Can you even understand that? That from the very beginning, God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness, the plurality of God, and yet we're not polytheists. We don't worship three gods. We worship one God who reveals himself in three persons in the Trinity. The Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God, and these three are one. And you know what? We, didn't, we can't even comprehend it, let alone conceive that. So there are things in the Bible that are revelations about God that could not have come from the mind of man. They had to be given to us by God as an explanation of who he is. So, so why do we study the Bible? To know God. Listen to me. You'll never know God. You'll never know God outside of getting into his word and letting him reveal himself through the word of God. If you want to know God, get into his word. If you want to know Christ, get into the word of God. And uh, that's, that's why we study, because it's the word of God, to know God. Number three, we, we, we study the word of God for salvation, Salvation doesn't come by any other means but by the word of God. What are we saved by? We're saved by grace through faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the, the word of God. 1 Peter 1.23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God. We're born again by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I love this. For, or 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. Uh, listen to this passage of scripture. I was going to quote it, but I want to make sure I got every word here. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. I mean, think about this. Salvation doesn't come from anything else but the hearing of the gospel. Hearing of the word of God. And First Peter said that we are saved by the incorruptible seed. By the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is grass. The glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withereth. The flower thereof fadeth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And he said this. And this is the word which by the gospel was preached unto you. Paul said it in 1 Corinthians 15. I preach the gospel to you wherein you stand, whereby you're saved. Peter said it. We've preached the gospel unto you whereby you stand, whereby you're saved. So why do we study the Bible? It's how we're saved. Hey, let me tell you something. Don't, don't just go back in your mind and say, well, I'm saved because I prayed a prayer on this day at this time, and therefore I'm saved. You better know what the Bible says about salvation. And you better know that I can go back to his word and say, because of his word, and the gospel came to me, and I responded by faith and received the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. Uh, the Bible says I'm saved. The Bible tells me that I'm saved. And so we, we study the Bible uh, to know that we're saved. Number, number four, we study the Bible to please God. We study the Bible to please God. Listen, it doesn't, doesn't matter who you please if you displease God. 
And it doesn't matter who you displease if you please God. Young people will be very, very well prepared for life if you can get that principle in your heart tonight. That when you live for God, you please God with your life. It doesn't matter who else you displease. The whole world can be angry with you, but you do what the Bible says. Psalm, 1, Psalm 119, 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The Bible gives us light on how to walk and how to walk to please God. The psalmist said in Psalm 23, he asked the Lord to lead him in paths of righteousness for thy name's sake. If you want to know how to please God, you're going to have to get in the Bible and then live according to what God's word says to please the Lord. Uh, there's a lot of Christians who have fallen into this fallacy of, of being able to design a life based on whatever their, their little circle of, of friends think is important. And then we begin to please each other. And we think we're okay with God because we're okay with one another. The pastor's okay with me. My church is okay. Everybody thinks I'm a good Christian. But listen, when you get down to brass tacks and do business with God and his word, you find out if God is pleased with you. And it doesn't matter if everybody in the church thinks that you're a good Christian. Uh, what does the Lord think? You're going to give an account. You're not going to give an account to me. You're going to give an account to the Lord. We want to be, make sure that we're walking in a way that pleases God. Hey, let me tell you when, you, when you have a marriage that pleases God, when you raise children in the fashion of how God says this is how you do it, number one, it pleases him. But number two, it's going to please you. You're going to be rejoicing at the, at the product of your life when you get into the word of God and please the Lord. All right, everybody with me? All right, lastly, number five, why do we study the Bible? To be encouraged, to be encouraged. Man, I was just reading the other day, Romans chapter eight, and just in light of all that's going on in our world today, I read Romans chapter eight, verses 38 and 39. And uh, this, listen, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen, if that doesn't encourage you, I don't know what, what else would encourage you. That no matter what's here, no matter what's coming, no matter if I live or die, no matter if I go to prison, if I'm in a famine, or if I have plenty, no matter, nothing, nothing is going to separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. That God has set his love on me and God loves me and he will never leave me nor forsake me no matter what is coming down the pike. And I have, I've been so encouraged by the word of God. There's a new Christian in our church, a new, a new brother. And he, um, he's a young Christian and he came on some trials here recently. And he texts me very discouraged. And I sent him a, a Bible verse. And I sent that Bible verse that spoke right into his life about his problems, about his circumstance. And he, he said, is that in the Bible? I said, yeah, it's in the Bible. And I told him where to find it. He went and found it in his Bible. And he said, I can't believe that the Bible has something about what I'm going through. And I said, yeah, God knew about that when he wrote it. He knew you were going to need that. The Bible's full of things like that that'll encourage you. And let me tell you something. He's been encouraged since then. And I said, you've got to get in the word of God. Get into it. Let God speak to your heart and encourage you every day. You know why there's so many discouraged Christians? They're watching the news and not reading the word of God. Now, I watch the news and I try to stay plugged in as much as I possibly can about what's going on. I'm so thankful that they're having this battle in the House of Representatives right now. This is the way it's supposed to be. 
Fight it out, man. It's the Democrats that always just walk the party line and just, you know, do what you're told. And I like the fact that there's some Republicans and they're saying, uh-uh, we're not doing that. Fight it out. Let the cream rise at the top, right? I like that. I like to watch the fight. And that's good. That's good. But can I tell you what? In 100 years from now, what difference is it going to make who the Speaker of the House was? Um, the Bible. You got to live in the Bible. I see what's going on in the world, but I but I see all of it through the lens of Scripture, and that's what you have to do to be encouraged. The Bible encourage you. All right, you got that. All right, let's look at the front of this page, and let me give you some just really quick steps on some things to do to get into your Bible. Let me ask you a question. A- ask yourself this question, um, and answer it honestly in your own heart. Am I pleased with my Bible study time. Am I pleased with my Bible study time? Am I being fed by it? Am I getting, am I profitable in it? Am I maximizing my time with the Lord? Are you reading the Bible every day? Are you really, are you really studying the scripture every day? And if not, uh, these are some steps that will help you do that. Number one, when you get your Bible, when it comes to Bible time, number one, pray over it. Look at Psalm 119. We were back in Psalm 119. I had you turn there. I want you to see some verses here in this psalm. Look at Psalm 119. And look down in, uh, in verse number 18. Psalm 119, verse 18. Watch this. Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. You're going to see, that, you're going to see some, of these, some of these stanzas within Psalm 119 are actually the psalmist praying to God about his word. Look at verse number 33. Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. And he said, Lord, open my eyes. Open my eyes. Let me, let me behold wondrous things out of thy law. Hey, listen, if you want to maximize your time in the Bible, pray over it before you get into it. Lord, I'm going to open your word. And as I open your word, God, open my eyes. Let my eyes behold wondrous things that I can see what you want me to see and teach me the things you want to teach me. Lord, teach me your word. Open it up. Be my teacher. Man, you, listen, if you, if, you want to, if you want to maximize your time in the Bible, bring the Holy Spirit there and let him teach you. And just let him open up your eyes. You remember, you remember when old Elisha was sitting out there eating his breakfast? And the Syrian army had come to attack him. Remember that? And they were all surrounding him. You all remember this? And he's out there eating his bowl of oatmeal in the morning, reading his paper. And his servant walks out a little dreary-eyed. He's like, good morning, master. How, how you doing? And then he looks up and he freaks out. And he sees all the army. Remember that? And he's like, look, they're, they're going to kill us. And remember, Elisha just said, he never really looked up from his paper. He just said, Lord, open his eyes. And all of a sudden, man, Lord opened his eyes. And he saw all those all those flaming angels and chariots of fire around him. And, uh, and, and he's, if there are more of us. There are more with us than with them. You know, I really believe that if you just ask the Lord, Lord, open my eyes. God is going to open your eyes to things in this word that you've never seen before. How many of you have ever been reading a passage of scripture that you're very familiar with? And you read through it and man, just something that you've never seen before jumps out of that. Anybody ever had that experience? I mean, it just jumps out at you, 
And I, I've never seen that before. Or how many of you have read a same passage of Scripture a hundred times and then somebody gets up to preach and they preach on that text? I mean, listen, I've been at a preacher's meetings before and I've been sitting there and I'm going to preach in a minute and the guy before me gets up, he announces his text and I think, oh man, I've heard a hundred thousand messages on this. You know, what's this guy going to say? And then all of a sudden, he begins to preach a message. And I'm looking at my Bible thinking, wait a minute. I, I didn't know that was in there. And man, I'm telling you, God just opens that up. And, and, and he'll do that. God will do that. He'll open his word. And it's fresh. It's fresh bread. Listen, they, we don't have to live off of last week's manna. God puts new manna down every day. We go out and collect that new manna. And it is wonderful to see what God has for us. So uh, begin, with, begin with asking God for cleansing. Say, Lord, now, now cleanse me here. I want to be clean. To get the most out of your word, Lord, cleanse me. Don't let anything be in my heart that would be uh, an idol or anything that would be um, an obstacle to you speaking to my heart. Ask God for cleansing and then ask God for the ability to receive what he wants to teach you. Now, this is a tough prayer. It's a wonderful thing to say, Lord, open my eyes and let me see wondrous things. It's another prayer to say, now, Lord, open my eyes. Teach me what you want me to know. I mean, how many of you parents right now, if you had a child come to you very sincerely and say, Dad, I want you to teach me some things that I really need to know. What are some things that I'm doing that I shouldn't be doing? How many of you would love to have that conversation with a kid, right? And Dad, you, you show it to me and I'm going to do it. I promise you, I'm going to do it. Hey, listen, this is when we come to God and we say, okay, God, open my eyes now and teach me. Show me what I need to learn. And the Lord may show you some things that you may not like, uh, but you need. And he'll teach you. And it's a wonderful thing to let God, let God open his word like that to you. Number two, ponder it. Ponder it. Look at verse number 48, Psalm 119 and verse 48. I love this verse. He says, my hands also will I lift up unto thy commandments. He said, okay, God, you you put a commandment out there in front of me. I'm going to put my hands out. I'm going to take hold of it. I'm going to lift my hands up to your commandments, which I have loved. Now watch this. And I will meditate in thy statutes. You're going to see him say that over and over again in the psalm. I'm going to meditate. It is my meditation all the day. Oh, how I love thy law. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to meditate. And I really think that of of all the things of Bible study that I think God's people are missing today, it's this. It's it's the opening up and reading. I think many many of us take time to read our Bibles. But very few Christians really take time to sit down and ponder it, and think on it. I was reading a book the other day by one of the old uh, Puritan writers, one of, my favorite, one of my favorite Puritan writers, Thomas Brooks. I was reading some things by Thomas Brooks and the depth of what he was mining from the Scripture. Uh, I mean, first of all, it's the 1600s. Their vocabulary was a little bit better than our vocabulary. I mean, he wasn't writing stuff like, and then God was like, and then like, and then I was like, whoa, like, wow, like, like, and then I was like, huh, and then, you know, so, you know, they, their vocabulary was a lot richer than our vocabulary, but I was reading this, and 
the thought just came to my mind. How is he digging all of this out? Well, he didn't have Snapchat or social media. He didn't, he didn't have any kind of Instagram account. He didn't have anything to post or scroll. He never TV. There was, yeah, he had a scroll. He was scrolling. But there was, there was no, I mean, you know, obviously he had a human nature and a human heart, and there were, there were sinful desires, and there were distractions in those days too. I know that. But we are so distracted today. Uh, back in his day, listen, did you ever, you ever think about this? Did you ever think that a hundred years ago, if you wanted to hear music, you had to go hear it live? You know, music is so, uh, permeates our, our world today. You, you, you can't walk into a store without hearing music. You, it's on the television. It's in, it's in our home. We can play music on demand at any time. A hundred years ago, if you wanted to hear music, you had to go, to the, you had to go hear it live. No, nobody had an iPod. Nobody, nobody had iTunes. Apple Music wasn't a thing. And so they had no, I mean, very few distractions. And I'll tell you what those guys did. Those guys sat and pondered on the Word of God. They got into it, and they took time to sit and think. They did a lot of this. We don't do a lot of that today. They did a lot of putting, uh, walking and thinking and beard stroking and meditating and writing down. And they, they did a lot of pondering the word of God. And I think if there's one thing that we're missing in our culture today, in our Christian culture, is time to meditate. To just be quiet, be still, and know that he's God. And what, what, how do you ponder the word of God? Let me give you some questions to ask. Questions, you know, this is what Jesus did. Jesus was a question asker. You know, hey, 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 hey disciples, who, who are people saying that I am? Who, who do you think I am? What do you say? And Jesus asked, remember they would come and ask him a question. He'd say, well, let me ask you a question. <laughs> hey, by what authority are you doing this? Let me ask you a question. By what authority did John baptize? Did he get his authority of God or did he get his authority of men? Remember, you know, Jesus asked questions. You know why? Because questions... Questions make you think. They make you stop and ponder and think. Um, my wife and I used that when we were raising our girls. We, we made sure that we used questions. Hey, what do you think you should be doing right now? Do you really think you should be putting chocolate syrup on the rug right now? No. What do you think is going to happen to you if you don't stop? <laughs> How many do you think you're going to get? That's the real question. <laughs> and you know what? They stopped putting chocolate on the rug. But anyway, but asking questions, making them stop, think, think. And we've got to think. You know, our world today is full of amusement. Whenever you put that little, that little prefix A in front of a word, like a theist is somebody who believes in God, an atheist says no God. To muse means to think. What is amuse? No thinking. And we got a ton of, like, no-think parks. You just sit down and go. I mean, you're, you know, you're flying all over loop-to-loop -loop and upside down and around, around, and everybody just running here and there and paying a million dollars for a hot dog at Disney or whatever, and no one's thinking about anything. Uh, but we live in a world today full of amusement, and we've got, we've got to take time as God's people to sit still and think. Let me give you some questions on the back here, um, some questions that you, that you ought to ask. 
uh, when, you're, when you're reading the scripture, have this little thing handy and ask the question, hey, in this passage of scripture that I'm reading, is there a promise here to claim? Is there a promise here that I need to claim? Is there, is there a promise that God is giving me that I need to say, okay, that's a promise for me? I remember years ago, a man came to a, a great preacher, Dr. John Rice, who wrote a great book on prayer. He was a man of prayer. He was a great man of prayer. And somebody came to John Rice and said, hey, you know, you, you know Jeremiah 33.3, you quote that all the time. Jeremiah 33 says, call, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Somebody said, you know, that wasn't written to us. It was written to the Jews and you really shouldn't be preaching that. <laughs> he said, man, you wish you'd have told me that before. I've had so many prayers answered on that verse. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but, but there's a promise there. So ask yourself, is there a promise there? Number two, ask there a question. Is there a lesson to learn? Maybe it's not a passage that has a promise, but there's a passage that has a lesson. Is there a lesson to learn from this? And write that down. Number three, is there a blessing to enjoy? Hey, is there a blessing in this passage of Scripture that I can enjoy? Is there something that God has given me here that's a blessing? Uh, another question to ask, is there a command to obey? Now, that's a big question. If I'm reading a passage of Scripture and I say, okay, wait a minute, I don't see a promise here, but I see a command here. And uh, that command means I need to obey it. And so I, I, need to, I need to take God at his word and I need to obey that commandment. Or ask yourself the question, is there a sin to avoid? Is God writing about something here that is something I need to, I need to remove from my life, avoid in my daily life? Is there a new thought to carry with me? Um, man, did God give me something here to really carry with me through the day and ponder on this or meditate on this all through the day? You ought to write that down. Um, when I'm studying the Bible, I ask these questions. I ask a question as I'm reading a passage of Scripture. I say, what did, the, what did this mean then? All right? Uh, what did this mean then when God is telling Moses in Exodus 40 to erect this tabernacle? What did it mean then? And then I ask the question, um, what does it mean now? What does it mean now? Do I really need to make a tent out of badger skin and create all these pieces of furniture to go uh, put up a tabernacle? No, I don't have to do that. What does it mean? But it, it means that God wants to dwell with me. It means that God wants a place and a way. He's made a way of access for fellowship and dwelling with us. And then ask the question, what does it mean to me? Well, what it means to me is that my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. God dwells in me. And I need to make sure that my temple is as carefully guarded and the ministry is as carefully carried out in my own body as it was in the tabernacle. That God is given priority in first place and that his glory is here. And so ask yourself those questions. What did it mean then? What does it mean now? What does it mean to me? All right, and then number three, very quickly, put it on paper. Put it on paper. There's a, a statement that I've written in the flyleaf a lot of my Bibles, and it says, the dullest pencil is better than the sharpest mind. Uh, there's been, a, how many times, I, by my bedside right now, I keep a piece of paper and a pencil. And I'll t I cannot tell you how many times as a pastor, I've woken up at three o'clock in the morning, and I've had a thought on my mind that, man, that's a great thought. That'd be a great message. I'm going to remember that. And then I get up in the morning and I think, what was it? This was a, tr this was a fundamental truth that would change the world. And, uh, and I it slobbered it out on my pillow. And so I, I make myself write it down, write that down. Uh, sometimes I write things down. I get up in the morning and I can't read a thing that I wrote. 
but, but at least I tried. But write it down. Put it on paper. I was going to bring to you tonight my, my, prayer, my uh, Bible journal. I, I keep a Bible journal, and as I put the date at the top, and as I'm reading my Bible, I write down things that God is speaking to me about. And um, I, I ask those questions. What did it mean then? What does it mean now? What's it mean to me? What's God speaking to me about? Uh, is there a command here? Is there something to enjoy? Is there a promise that I need to claim? And I put those things down, journal those things every day. I love to go back. Uh, just today, when I, was, when I was going back over these notes today, I reached and got my old journal from 2018. In 2018, I was pastoring in Mississippi. We were, we were probably at one of the greatest times in our ministry. Revival was happening. We, we were literally... We were baptizing nearly every service, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Somebody was getting saved, walking the aisle, being baptized. I mean, it was every service. And there was just a sweetness in the church. We, we couldn't find parking. And yet, in my heart, there was an unsettledness that I could not explain. And I would go to the Bible. I was reading through my Bible journal today, and I was just looking back. Things I hadn't even really contemplated on this side of it, but I was going back through that today, and I could see where God was preparing my heart in my day-to-day studies, that God was preparing to move me, and what God was teaching me in his word, day by day by day by day, precept on precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little, God was preparing me for, um, for this. And I want to tell you, those are sweet, sweet times with the Lord when God, every day, just write it down. You can go back and look at things that God did in your life, and it's a wonderful thing. Put it on paper. Put it on paper. Uh, very quickly, number four, practice it. Practice it. What does James 1, say? He says, uh, be, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Then here's what he said. He said, if you're a hearer only of the word, you deceive yourself. Now, I want to tell you right now, listen to me. I feel sorry for this world who has believed the devil's lie. This, this world has bought the devil's lie hook, line, and sinker. And there, there are, there are, this world is in chaos. We are, we are in the name of, in the name of, of sexuality, we are, we are mutilating a generation of young people today. Uh, we are confused, and the world has believed the devil's lie, and it, it is devastating that the devil, the Bible says that he has deceived the whole world, but I want to tell you something more dangerous to that and grieves my heart even more than that, is in our churches today, so many Christians who have sat here who have told a lie to themselves and believed it. We're, we're kidding ourselves. Because we think we're spiritual because we hear the word. And that's what he says in the book of James. If, if you're just a hearer of the word and not a doer, you're lying to yourself. I mean, you can be faithful to church. You can go to church every time the doors are open. You can be in the pew. You can take notes on the Bible. You can listen to the preacher preach. But if you're not applying that truth into your life, if you're not doing what you're hearing, we're kidding ourselves. Uh, if, if I'm not going to leave here tonight and be a better Christian and be a better husband and be a better father and find victory in my life and be able to have more courage and more strength and all the things that God is going to give me in his word, 
I'm just kidding myself if I'm, if I'm hearing it but not doing it. And so put it to practice. Find a way to incorporate the truths that you've been shown into your life. Listen, if God's taught you a truth, then immediately think, okay, how do I put that to practice? How can I do that today? i gotta, I got to start doing that today. And then do it. And then number five, and I like this one. I don't know why I have to alliterate things. It's just my brain thinks that way. Um, but to proclaim it, proclaim it. What does that mean? Just talk about it. Share what, what you have. Share it with others. Um, take the word of God and, and, and give it to other people. Look back. You're in Psalm 119. I have, a, I have a bunch of scripture for this, but I want to close quickly so we can go to prayer. Look over at Psalm 19. We're in Psalm 119, but run back to Psalm 19 very quickly. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Stay in Psalm 119. Stay there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this passage and then we'll, we'll close. Look at Psalm 119 and look back at verse number nine. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord. Now watch what he's doing. He's praying over it. Teach me thy statutes. Everything that we've just gone over is in this little section right here of verse number nine through 16. He said, Lord, teach it. Now watch this, watch this, watch this. Look at verse 15. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. Here's what he said. He said, Lord, what I'm going to do, you've taught it to me, and now I'm going to tell it to others. And I'm, I'm going to teach the world. You, you know that God has called us to confront the world with his word. And we've got to be able to teach it to others. And one of the best ways, one of the best ways to learn the word of God is to tell it to others. Do you know that the Bible is one of the only books in the world that the more of it you give away, the more of it you keep? You keep the word really in, in, in balance with what you give away. The, so, man, take time to sit down with your husband or your wife and to talk about what God taught you that day in the word. Sit down with your kids and tell them about what God taught you in the Word of God. Go to work and, and do a Bible study at work and teach, see, break time. Teach guys at work what God is teaching you, uh, what God is sharing in your life. And, and get, it, I mean, get a class at the church. I mean, let's teach something. Let's go tell somebody. Go, go, give, go give the Word of God away and you'll keep it. But proclaim it. Uh, listen, post about it. I mean, we've got this thing called the World Wide Web. And do you know that the devil did not invent the internet? Huh? Al Gore did that. It was, his, it was the devil's brother. It was in the family, right? Now listen. Do you understand that all of this was already here? Radio and communications and, and all of the things that we use today was already in creation. We didn't invent it. We just discovered it. It was already here. We just, God gave us the ability. And I, you know, I don't believe for a minute that in this end of the world, with an exploding population, with, with, a, with a world that has gone global, there's no doubt in my mind that in these last days, God has allowed in this time the means of the World Wide Web as a means of communication around the world. Do you know one Christian can have such a greater reach but you know what? If, you would just, if we would just get on, our, get on our social media account, 
Hey, listen, this is for all of us, by the way. For those of us that are boomers, our Facebook accounts, okay? And then all the way down to TikTok and all the rest of it. Listen, just go, go I, I challenge you this. Go to your account, whatever social media means you use. Go tonight and just start scrolling back. Scroll back, scroll back, scroll back, scroll back, scroll back, scroll back. And see how many times you declared the word of God. Or you spoke of, hey, this is a truth in the Bible that I learned. Or I would want all my friends to know this about the Bible. And just see what, what, what's in our feed. And have we spread the gospel to anybody? Or shared the word of God with others? I mean, listen, this is the, we, have, we have access to all kinds of things today to be able to get the word of God out. And so I want to help us at the beginning of this year to really be people of the word. Amen? Okay.